Hello there, this is Dr. Hedberg, and we are again with the Psychology Report, and uh, it's good to have you with me. You're joining about 4,000 other people who periodically or regularly listen to the Psychology Report. So we're glad to have you as part of the audience. Now, today I would like to um, bring to your attention a very critical problem in sports and with our young people. And that has to do with brain concussions. Brain concussions. Now, sometimes that's referred to as a traumatic brain injury, TBI, TBI, traumatic brain injury. Sometimes we refer to these as post-concussion syndrome. That is the effect that happens to a person as a result of a head injury and lingers for a period of time. So what the residual effect of that is, so we refer to it that way as post-concussion syndrome. Other people refer to it as just a head injury or a closed head injury or a concussion or some such term. Whatever term, we're talking about the same thing. And sports is the big culprit. Now, you can get a head injury by falling off of a um, bicycle. You can get a traumatic head injury and uh, fighting and in the playground or in uh, a sports event that turns into a fight or brawl of some type. Uh, various sports have different levels of brain injury associated with them. Um, or, such as in my case, uh, I fell off the slide in kindergarten and uh, hit my head. And as far as I know, had a uh, traumatic brain injury as a result of that. So, um, obviously what we really need to do is to not only know, understand what traumatic brain injuries are, but we need to know how to identify them and how to prevent them, and if they do occur, of course, how to treat them. So we're going to take a look at these kind of issues today as we take a look at traumatic brain injuries as a result of sports, okay? Now, this came into our attention uh, frame, our, our attention realm of interest, in about 2015, when Hollywood uh, produced the film called Concussion. And there the film focused on the light uh, concussions that come to an individual, the brain injuries that come to an individual, usually through contact sports, such as football. Now, we use football because that's the highest ranking sport that produces concussions or brain injuries in the players. Now, in high school sports, football accounts for more than 60% of the concussions. So, it's that's the culprit. 60% of the concussions that happen to high school kids happen to the high school team that plays football. And um, the uh, number of concussions that occurred in the National Football League during that same year, uh, 2015, the same year, was uh, 271 concussions. So that's nearly 40% of the retired National Football League players that played football and then retired as a result of a head injury. 40%. Many retire for other reasons, but 
40% retire because of the concussion effects that they've had. Not one, not two, but some of them have three and four of these concussions. And we're now watching it more closely. We now have physicians attached to a team on the field during the game so that any player that receives a head injury can be immediately assessed and determined whether they can continue to play or not. That's what's critical. Because a concussion takes time to heal. Doesn't heal in five minutes. Doesn't heal in the course of a half time. It takes days and weeks and sometimes months to heal. So a physician is there to determine whether that injury was at the level of a concussion that would indicate that the player is out of the game for that game and maybe even for the next couple of games. And injuries are serious. We need to take them serious. So football is a big culprit. What's the next one? Well, you probably guessed it. Hockey, right? That's the number two. And then what's the next highest level of head injuries? In what sport? College basketball. Okay? Now, look at it this way. In football, they wear a helmet, a very good helmet. So it should prevent them, but it doesn't. In hockey, they wear a helmet. Not necessarily as good, but at least it cushions the head injuries. So it's a little bit of a protection. Look at college basketball. No helmets whatsoever. No head injury protection whatsoever in basketball. So you can see in the various sports they're vulnerable because they don't use head gear. And even in the sports that use head gear, concussions occur anyway. So this is, head gear is not the answer to prevent. It does slow down. It does minimize the head injuries. But that's all it does. It still allows head injuries to occur at a fairly significant rate, particularly in football. Now, that happens. A head injury happens when a player goes against another player and the heads buck together. Or the hit was so strong that the person went to the ground and hit the head, falling to the ground, and the ground was hard, such as in the winter months when they... Football season is on and the fields are ice cold and icy and frozen stiff and cold. And then the head injuries can occur even greater because it hits against a solid surface. Many different ways a person can sustain a head injury when playing a sport. But usually when two heads come together, when they fall on the surface of the court, the basketball court or the hockey, field, uh, hockey uh, rink or the football field, and that is hard, and they hit their head going down. So lots of ways that can happen. But it's a very definite problem for sports these days and for the kids that play in these different sports. Now, what are some of the symptoms of a traumatic head injury? How do you know if you had a traumatic head injury after having an event where you bucked your head against somebody or you've fallen to the ground? Or, like in my case, you fell off the slide, or you are in a car accident and you hit your head against the windshield or against the side of the door or against the dashboard or something like that. Or you were in a fight and you got hit on several occasions, such as in boxing, where you get hit on several occasions in the head and uh, sustain a head injury. So what are some of the symptoms? Well, here's a list of them, okay, of the post-concussion syndrome. Headaches. You get headaches within a matter of 12 hours, and they, they may persist. 
Feelings of dizziness also occurs. Sleeplessness occurs. Night sweats occur. Sensitivity to light. Loss of balance. Feeling fatigue and nauseated. Having a little bit of forgetfulness. Difficulty concentrating. Being more irritable, restless, if you will. Those are some of the symptoms of a post-concussion syndrome or of a traumatic head injury. Now, they don't happen within the matter of minutes or hours after a closed head injury. They may happen the next day. They may happen that evening. That's why when a kid has had a head injury, we don't want them to go to sleep. Because if they go to sleep and have a head injury, that could even be more dangerous. In the middle of the night, they might even die because of that head injury and, and uh, the irregularities that it sets off. So we don't like kids to go to sleep for at least 12 hours so that we have a chance to monitor their functioning during that first 12 hours following a closed head injury. So kind of remember that. No sleep. Keep the kid awake. And monitor these kind of symptoms that I've just mentioned to you. The headaches and the dizziness and the sleeplessness and the sweats and the nauseated and the uh, concentration, irritability problems and sensitivity to light and things like that. Okay? So monitor that as closely and quickly as you possibly can. So we have closed head injury. We, it results in a certain degree of symptoms that occur shortly you know, thereafter. Now... In the long run, what's the effect of a closed head injury? In the long run, what's the, head of, what's the effect of a, a traumatic head injury or, or traumatic brain injury? What's the long-term effects? Well, let me give you a little kind of a list of them as well. Now, these aren't going to occur right away. These are going to occur in weeks and months uh, after, you know, the incident. Memory loss. Problems focusing. Blood clots. Um, degenerative brain disease. Okay, now that's over the long term that that would show itself, you see. Dementia, that would be in the long term that would show itself. In other words, we have an increased chance after a closed head injury or after several closed head injuries if a person has had several of them to develop early Alzheimer's, early dementia uh, after such events and certainly to have some kind of a brain disease that sets in. And Alzheimer's is certainly one of those, but encephalitis is another one. I mean, there are different kinds of, of head injury diseases that can be set in following a uh, closed head injury. Certainly chronic headaches would be uh, among them. And just tr trouble learning, trouble focusing, trouble with staying at attention uh, over a long period of time. Sustained attention would be a problem that such individuals, you know, would have. So, prevention, what about prevention? Obviously, a helmet. A helmet is very important. If you get a closed head injury, stop playing that game, perhaps forever, but certainly for the rest of the season or for the next year. Give your brain chance to heal. Give your, change, your brain chance to uh, strengthen itself so that you can go back later on and maybe play again but if you get two head injuries, three head injuries, you're out of those kinds of sports, you know, forever. So um, helmets reduce the risk of a closed head injury, traumatic brain damage, 
It, it reduces the risk by about 20%. So helmets are important. But we also have to have close monitoring of games so that games are monitored closely. And every injury that a kid experiences playing any, any sport needs to be checked for this closed head injury phenomenon or the traumatic brain injury phenomenon. They need to be checked thereafter by a physician, neurologist perhaps, and making sure that these symptoms are not present and don't prevail. But if they do, then that player may need to withdraw from that sport forever or certainly for a lengthy period of time for the healing you know, to take place. So uh, it can be a mild concussion, can be a severe you know, concussion. The more severe, the more likely to have blurred vision, more likely to have dizziness with the more severe, more likely to have headaches with the more severe. So um, the severer the they injury, the more likely those symptoms will not only be present, but will be very distinct and show themselves very clearly, okay? So if you have had, a, if you had, 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 if you have had a head injury, or your child, your son, your daughter's had a closed head injury, stop the sports for about a year. Get the healing to take place, and then determine whether that kid can go back and play again. So this is what concussions are all about. This is what a closed head injury is all about. This is what a traumatic brain injury is all about. And it's up to you as a parent to monitor your kid who has had a closed head injury for whatever reason and make sure they have plenty of rest, they have plenty of fluids, they have plenty of vitamins, and maybe even omega-3 to help build up that brain that's been injured and strengthen that brain that's been injured and make sure that that child does not injure that brain at least for the next 12 months. We don't want another head injury. We want to protect that head from further injuries. So remember, falling off bicycles, car accidents, sports of all kinds, fights, scuffles, falls from objects, falls from places, falling off walls, falling off curbs or whatever. If that head is hit on the ground, be very helpful to that kid to make sure that that head has a chance to heal. And the brain within that head as a chance to heal. So that's your job as a parent. Take it seriously, okay? Hey, nice to have you with me today. And uh, again, I'd like to bring to your attention Susan Hatch. SusanHatch.com. Go to her website. If you have Medicare, if you're on Medicare, you may want to contact Susan Hatch when it comes to the time when you can change your plan and you can get a better plan. There's nobody better to consult than Susan Hatch. So look up her website, SusanHatch.com. Make sure that you have a chance to uh, gain the advantage of her insight and her experience and her knowledge. She specializes in Medicare. And the Medicare programs are complex. But there are some that might be very helpful and very good for you, depending on your circumstances. But there are some plans that may not be good for you. It may be very costly and limited care. So don't just go and get a Medicare plan. Until you have talked to Susan Hatch, go to SusanHatch.com. I recommend her strongly, if you're on Medicare, before you change plans, 
before you get ready to change plans, or if you're going to get on to Medicare now in the near future, consult her. She can be your agent, or she can just give you some advice as to how to do that. Anyway, nice to have you with me, and um, go to my website, booksbyhedberg.com. Pick up a book, Mother's Day is coming, buy her a book. Buy her the book, Lessons from My Father. It would be a great book you know, for her to read. Or buy one for your father during Father's Day, which is coming up next. But there's a lot of gifts now that are coming forth, graduation gifts and so on. Get a book from my website, booksbyhedberg.com. Okay, bye for now.